to 514 Church. This is the Uprising Week 3, and we're going to conclude this story that's found in John chapter 4. And you just saw a modern retelling of that story. To bring you up to speed, this story starts out with a burden, and I talked about that in week one. I talked about how Jesus, it says, he had a burden. He had to go through Samaria. Don't worry, I'll talk about this later. I'm not, it's not just like a new thing. I'm not just like, you know, I'm going to be the preacher with a bat. Symbolically, I'm sure everyone's like, they always have a bat. No. Um, Burdens bury excuses. Jesus had this burden to go to Samaria because he knew that he needed to meet with this one woman to have this conversation that would lead to an uprising. And there was a lot of reasons not to go, but those reasons didn't outweigh his burden. And that's what you find when you really have a burden for people. Those, those uh, excuses, they get really, really small. And, and, and all that stuff you're afraid of, it gets small. And, and, and the burden kind of takes center stage. And I talked about that week one. And then last week, Carmen talked about what happened when Jesus met with the woman at the well. And the difference, the difference that Jesus offers every one of us compared to what the world offers us. And how we try to fill our lives up with all kinds of things, but those things never truly satisfy the way that Jesus can. Life leaves us thirsty, but God never will. And today, I want to talk to you about this last piece that you just witnessed, about how this woman engages her town in order to cause an uprising of people who move towards the potential of meeting the God of the universe, and receiving eternal life in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the key word that I want to share with you today is, is, an, is a word that, um, that we hear about all the time, and it's a word that I want to kind of share with you. Is, it was her, um, almost her ace in the hole in terms of how to connect with the people in Samaria, and it's a word called authenticity. And authenticity is a powerful, powerful word. Um, we learn all the time that uh, there are a bunch of new people that come to our church. You know, we have a lot of people. We have 10 to 15 new people that visit here every single week. And they, uh, they check in. They do what we asked you guys to do um, when you first visited. And some of you are in the room right now because someone invited you to come to this church. And we found that when people come in here, that a lot of times what makes this place work and makes people want to stay around is this word authenticity. And you may think, man, you guys got the lights and the cameras and the music and everything looks like you guys have a plan. I don't know if that's quite the word I would use, but what we hear from a lot of people is that like when my microphone doesn't work, three weeks ago, I think my microphone didn't work at the beginning of one of the services. So then Ryan had to run up and give me a mic and I got on the mic and it didn't work right away. And then I started singing a song and everyone laughed. And we heard from people like, that's the kind of stuff we like. We like that, like, you're real. We hear from people. I know some of you are going, oh, don't encourage this. We do hear from people. They like it when I sing. <laughs> and it's like, I've been telling all them that, that they like it, and now I'm getting all you guys to reinforce. Like, I like to sing, and that's really me, and people don't expect that, and they go, that's real. That's real. And what I found, and what is so true, is that in church and, and in leadership in terms of church, a lot of people kind of expect the leaders to be perfect. Or a lot of leaders put off this idea that they're perfect, and then when they meet the leader or they get to know the leader and they're not, um, it kind of changes their perception. 
And a lot of people don't come around churches when they think the leadership is all perfect and they kind of project this perfect image and this perfect idea and then it's like, I can't be like that because they're so good, they're spiritual, they're perfect, they got it all together. And I've just learned that, that like, the way to lead people is through authenticity and honestly to make sure that everybody knows and that I communicate clearly that I'm far from perfect. Like that I'm like more like messed up than, than you would ever imagine and I have my own like stuff that I'm dealing with and that that, what we find is that kind of takes away this idea that he's perfect to like, okay, he's just like me and like if he can engage on this journey building a relationship with God, then maybe I can too. And what we found is that it's true. People are drawn to authenticity, not perfection. And it's not this idea that we need to, you know, kind of debase ourselves or that I need to get up here and tell you how bad I am altogether and not see any of the qualities or not have any, anything, you know, that I'm confident or, or that, I, that I take pride in. It's just this idea that, that there's a perception that everything is perfect and I need to make sure that you guys know that just because I'm in the lights, just because I'm the one on the camera, just because I'm the one in the position of leadership, that man, like, I am just like you. And I have weaknesses. And I am going to be able to connect with more people, and so are you, if I embrace those weaknesses. You see, a key to authenticity is not to debase yourself, but it is to embrace your weaknesses. A key to authenticity is weakness. Kind of going like, I've got some issues, I've got some stuff I gotta deal with, and like, so do you. And what we find is that people connect with that authenticity, and they go, okay, I wanna be around that because if it works for them, then it'll work for me too. There's a recent study that talks about how the best way to connect with people is through weakness. Relevant Magazine did a study about social media and how most people don't have more than four friends that they really, really could count on out of the 150 average friends that we all have on Facebook. And that most people like can't stand watching people online because they, there's this whole epidemic and maybe you've seen it where people only post the like perfect moments. And a lot of people sit there and they watch someone on their lunch break having this perfect lunch like at, with their friends or, or, or at a corporate event or whatever and it just looks perfect and it's all like dialed in and then they're sitting at Dairy Queen eating a hot dog in their car like, my life stinks. And so what happens is, is that, that what we're seeing is that people are getting sick and tired of the fake, of this the projection of perfection, and what people really wanna connect with is brokenness. But listen, that's a tough place to be. That's a tough vulnerability to have. To say like, hey, you know, this is what you know, I really look like without my makeup on, or this is what I really look like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hospital bed, or like, you know, I'm in a struggling relationship. Like, man, nobody really wants to project that they would have any struggles. But the reality is, is that if you wanna connect with people, then you've got to embrace your weaknesses because that's how you connect with people, not through perfection. Uh, this article said this, we don't connect over pretend perfection, but over shared struggles. Shared struggles. 
I find that when I tell someone something I'm struggling with, what that does is it immediately reaches over and grabs their hand and says, okay, we're in this thing together. I'm not the only one. I mean, can you imagine just living your whole life just going up to people and talking about the things that you figured out and how, how you got it all figured out? I mean, how annoying would that be? Well, we've got this all figured out. And sometimes that's what church feels like. Here's Joel telling us the answer. Man, that's a tough balance for me. And so I want to make sure that today you understand that I've got some real weaknesses and that you and me both need to take our weaknesses into the world if we're going to connect with people and see their lives change the way that our lives have been changed. Craig Rochelle said it this way, we may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. And through the uprising, my goal for you all was to put a name, week one, in your phone of someone you're praying for that I want you to connect with. And today I wanna show you and teach you how this is what happened in John chapter four and how this happens today. And the bottom line is, is that we win people through our weaknesses. We win people over through weakness. We win people over through vulnerability. We win people over through struggle, through battling through what it is, what we're dealing with, what we have on our plate, the burdens that we carry. When we share those things, then people feel a sense of connectivity. I talk a lot about uh, up here, and it's, it's just kind of an ego thing. I'll talk about how I go to the gym and how I work out. And if all you ever heard was that I go to the gym and I work out, and of course David says all I talk about is that I played high school football, which I don't talk about that all the time, but like it is true, I did play high school football, but like I don't talk about it all the time. If I didn't kind of like take you to the reality, right? And this is kind of the Facebook, the perception of perfection reality, right? If I just tell you kind of what I'm doing that's positive, that's not real, man, this guy always talks about it, da, da, da. I could tell you that I go to CrossFit three times a week, I could tell you that I've been doing it for several years and I can tell you that I've gotten stronger and all that but the reality is is that that's just a one snapshot of my real life in terms of how I work out in my my physical like world in terms of uh, fitness because on Monday I went to do a hang snatch and I completely threw my back out and I've had a degenerated L5, a compressed disc in my lower back since I was 20 years old. And when I was at college, I got out of my bunk one day in the dorm and literally lost all the feeling in the whole right side of my body. And I went to the doctor, and Ohio State sports medicine doctor, and he looked at my x-rays and he said, well, you have a really, really compressed disc. And if you don't stop slamming your body into people, uh, then, then you will not be able to jump when you're 30. And it happened. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he said, you will not be able to jump when you're 30. So I was like, man, I need to stop this. So on, I've been trying to work out. I don't do a lot of stuff over my head because it compresses the disc and I, I'm taller. So I have to kind of like lean and, and get my, my body upright to do it the right way. Well, what's happened is even in, in all the effort to do it the right way, I still put a lot of unnecessary tension on my lower back and I've caused a major problem. So I went to the chiropractor yesterday and he brought me in. Now I'm gonna show you what he taught me and this blew my mind and this is gonna blow, prepare to have your mind blown. This is what the chiropractor said to me. He said, I'm gonna show you something and you're gonna have, it's gonna blow your mind. He said, go ahead and just stand flat. Now you're gonna see a little bit of my midriff skin at church, authenticity, okay? He said, go ahead and put your arms straight over your head and do a squat. Now watch how my arms, when I squat with my feet flat on the ground, move into a, like below a 40, I cannot make them higher. The lower I go, I'm at a 45 with this. Do you see what's going on? Guys, you got it? 
45 degrees. I cannot make my arms go higher. I cannot, ah, even if I lean back, okay? I cannot. He goes like this. He pulled out two triangles. I'm going to use these rolls of tape. Pulled out two triangles. He goes, put your heels on these. You ready to have your mind blown? Authenticity, weak. This is so embarrassing. He goes, put your arms up now, squat. Straight up in the air. You see that? Let me do it again. Oh, yeah. Straight up and down. He's, he proceeds to tell me, dude, your ankles are messed up. And he sat there and put me on, on, my, on my front. He goes, you need, to like, you need to like work out your Achilles so much. You, have, you lack so much flexibility from here all the way into your butt that like you are struggling. And like every time you do a squat when your feet are flat, all the weight is getting put on this spot here and you just continue, even if you do the best you can because you lack flexibility, you're continuing to hurt yourself. Man, 35 stinks. I, mm. That's what it hit me. It's like, oh man, like I'm like, I'm broken. And like, I gotta tell you, at the gym, when you walk in and you talk about like, how, people ask, how you doing? And usually it's just like a question. How are you doing? No, you know, but there are people that really want to know. And if you're like, oh man, dude, I threw my back out. Dude, I connect with people way faster. They're like, me too, man, my ankle, my bunion, it's getting scary. I don't know. Like, it's just like, it's one of those things where when you talk about your weaknesses, you connect with people because people have them too and they can relate. And there's something soothing about knowing that you're not going through what you're going through all alone. Weakness wins people. It's how we influence people, by being confident enough to be vulnerable with our brokenness. I was doing a series years ago at church. I thought it was so cool. Um, this is at a different church where uh, it was a series called Multiplicity. And uh, the whole idea was if everybody would just, a similar series to this, if everybody would just go invite one person, just connect with one person, then we would take whatever we are, numbers-wise, and multiply it. Multiply yourself. And so I did this little gimmicky thing where on my laptop uh, camera, I recorded myself. And the camera was right up in my face. And I recorded myself talking, and then I played it back, and I made it like when I was leading worship one day that like, me in another place came up like I multiplied myself. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool, but I, I interacted with myself. I like had this conversation like I multiplied myself. It's just kind of weird. You're like, okay, where's this going? I showed this video to my, my boss, my pastor, Pastor John. And so again, the camera's right up on my face. And it's about four minutes of me interacting and like saying all the stuff back to myself. It's real clever, telling jokes. It made it feel live. I kid you not, people came up to me and asked me if I did that live. No, no, that, that's, did you understand? Like there was something on the screen and I was there and it was pre-recorded and there were people like, did you do that live? And I just wanted to smack them. Like I was like, no, like <laughs> it was a joke. But like, so I have my face on the screen after Pastor John watches the video, he turns to me and he goes, man, you got a lot of moles on your face. <laughs> and I was just like, that's what you got? And it's so true. Like, 
I have a lot of moles. Like, and when, and a lot of people, and it's not that the moles are bad, and if you're moly, high five, like, I'm glad. Like, but like, a lot of times from this distance on the camera, you can't tell, and then you get close to me, and you're like, dude, you are got a lot of moles. Like, it's our sixth birthday here, and for one of our birthdays, uh, first couple years, David made a t-shirt that was me with a purple shirt on, because he thought I wore it all the time and I didn't wear it all the time. I just wore it one time. And he thought, that, and he put a big bunch of moles on my face. Dude, when I was little, my brothers and sisters called me Moly Jolie. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, dude, just, just close up, extreme close up. Look at that mole. That's a giant mole. I mean, dude, so I, it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, man, I got moles. I'm pretty sure that, like, my moles are all right. The dermatologist said... You're okay, maybe, but she's like marking my whole face. Like, I got a lot of moles. And so it's, it's like, I have a lot of weaknesses, a lot of things that make me completely imperfect. And it's easy to talk about them physically. But another thing is like, to connect with people is, is really where, where weakness comes in. It's not, it's not just physically or mistakes that you make, or even if you mess up at your job or whatever it is. It's really the weakness that's tough to be honest about is relational weakness. It's when you have a relationship that's going bad. Or you have like something that's really close to you, family, friends, mom, dad, spouse. Ooh, when you're going to open up, because that's like the one thing that we want to make sure everyone else thinks is perfect. We want everyone to think that those relationships, we've got those figured out. And so to be honest and vulnerable about your relational weakness is honestly the most difficult thing to do. But I'll tell you what, if you can be honest relationally, and talk about maybe you're struggling marriage with someone. Maybe you're, you're struggling relationship with your dad or your mom. Now you're going to connect because everybody on some level is going down the same path. So then you start to connect with people through those weaknesses. I actually, relationally, I do a lot of things wrong and, 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 and hurt a lot of people because I have some idiosyncrasies and some things that are just not okay. And I can make excuses for some of those things, but they're really not good. But I have some major relational weaknesses. I did something this week. I was just completely like, man, dude, you are not considerate of people. We had a staff meeting, and at the staff meeting, I, I did this whole thing about how people at our church need to connect with Jesus, like, it's okay if someone, the church is attractive to them, and they're like, I love 514 church, but really our goal, end goal, is not that people are like, fall in love and like, get saved by 514 church, because 514 church can't save people, only Jesus can save people. So I was like, we need to continue to move people closer to that relationship with Jesus, and that needs to be part of our language. And we had this whole conversation, and everybody started talking and sharing and what that meant and all this stuff, and right towards the end, I just pick up my phone, and I do this all the time. I start looking at my phone. I'm like, look, someone messaged me, one of you guys, it's your fault. See, I can come up with excuses. Somebody messages me, but really, like, I dive into my phone Right in the middle of this moment and towards the end, Ryan Donovan, who you all know, Ryan's right there. He's directing our service today. Stand up real quick, Ryan. Ryan, Ryan has this moment where he said, and I had to learn this because I didn't pay attention. He said something in the meeting. He was like, you know what? We all have to have personal like time with Jesus because if that's really important to us, then that's how we're going to be able to lead other people to that, not just to the church, but to our relationship with Christ. And the whole time he said that, 
I'm looking at my phone. And he goes, did you hear that? And Kevin goes, I heard that. Like, I got you, Ryan. Joel's being a jerk right now. After the meeting, Ryan stays in and he's like, hey, so the thing that I was saying, I'm like, no, I heard what you said. He goes, no, you didn't. You didn't hear what I said. And I'm like, ah, I'm gonna lie, I'm gonna lie. Yes, I did. And then I did like the background like thing of like, I think I heard, I could piece it together and make it sound like I was listening, but I wasn't. And like, you will find with me that like, I will, and I can make an excuse, I'm ADD, I'm busy, I'm whatever, but like if, if Kevin has told me, you gotta put your phone down, and I will be in like meetings, and people will be talking, and like I will have my phone, and it communicates to people, you're not as important as my phone. Man, like that is a weakness of mine. And some of you hear that, and you go like, you need to get that together, man. And you know what, so do you. Because everybody does this. We all have this crazy relationship with our phone where we like forget that other humans are around us. But in my role, it really communicates, just, it just communicates that I don't value people. And Ryan, in front of everybody, I'm sorry. I love you, man, thank you. Like I shouldn't have done that. Honestly, after it happened, we were at staff in the car and two other staff members like, you were really rude to Ryan. And I was like, no, I wasn't. They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, two people saw it. I probably was. And here's the deal. Like, I got to be honest with you guys because that's how we all connect. Because my weaknesses and your weaknesses, we're all broken. We all have our own problems. And they all kind of like end up in the same like, soup of brokenness. And when we can engage those things, that's what reaches people. And that's the story of the woman at the well. I wanna show you how she uses weaknesses to cause an uprising. After Jesus meets her and tells her all this stuff about her, who she is, where she came from, um, all the, the bad stuff, Jesus meets her in her weakness. And then she goes back to town and when she goes back to town, we have a little insight into what she said to the other Samaritans about why they should come and meet Jesus. And it's fascinating. And what she does is she uses her weaknesses. She says this. She says, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Let me just kind of like break that into to normal and talk. What, what that is, is she went down to, to the people and she said, you guys know me, right? Like, I'm, I'm the women that, woman that's like slept with four different guys and I'm living with a man that's not my husband and I don't even hang out with you guys because I'm so detestable to you and my behavior and you know that I'm like the last person on earth to be called loved, lovable, to be accepted. And I wanna tell you that in my weakness, this person came and spoke to me and he knows everything about me, and he still talked to me. He knows everything about me, and he still talked to me. She goes to those people with her weakness. Hey, not, not what's your problem. Guys, my problem is you all know my problem. I'm so broken, and God probably spoke to me. And her attitude was, with everything you know, 
And everything, if this is God, that he knows, aren't I the last person on earth? Aren't I the last person on earth to go and tell other people that they should meet Jesus too? But he did. He spoke to me. And I'm, I got to be worse off than the rest of you. And if he talked to me, and this is, should be our attitude, if he talked to me, if he loves me, man, he can love anyone. That's her attitude. I'm the weakest. I'm the most broken. And he still spoke to me. She goes with weakness. She goes with humility. And then she does something that's brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. This is a key to winning people over, to influencing people, to leading people to where they need to be. And she does it naturally. She says, I'm broken. He spoke to me. Maybe he'll speak to you too because I'm worse than you. So you should be fine. You should be fine. You should be fine. You should be fine. You and me are similar, but that's okay because he talked to me. So I'll talk to you. Like, like, go, go meet this guy. He talked to me. And then she does this brilliant thing. Look what she does. She says, could this be the Messiah? With a question mark. She asks a question. Her whole attitude is weakness, humility, and questions. She doesn't even know if he's the Messiah yet. She's like, if he spoke to me and he knew everything about me and he still loved me and talked to me, maybe this could be the Messiah. And in other words, what she's going is, I'm on a journey right now trying to figure out how my life relates to this Messiah. I have so many questions. He just had this one interaction. Maybe he's God, and if he's God, then man, we should all go back to him. What she does in this moment is she, she brings this level of question and she brings the safety of if you have questions, you can ask them to this man. Because he loves me and my weaknesses and it's okay for you to ask questions. I'm still asking questions. And our entire disposition towards people need to be that of questions and humility, not answers and arrogance. Like our, I see all the time people coming to, to saying, hey, you know what? I got it all figured out and I got it all figured out. You need this. And I know all the answers to the questions. And if you go to church or you go to, then you'll maybe like meet me where I am in my journey. Maybe if you, but I got it together. You need to get it together. Da, da, da. And I'm not even saying that that's how it's said. That's what's thought. I got all the answers. You need the answers. I got all the answers. You need the answers. And this woman goes, I don't have very many answers. I'm broken, and I have a lot of questions. Doesn't that sound so much more inviting? Like, can you imagine if you went to people and you're like, man, like, I got to tell you, I don't know much, but I know this. I once was lost, and again, you see I'm being metaphorical. I'm not saying use these words. I'm saying this is the spirit. I once was lost, and I've been found. You see, the story of the gospel is not you telling everybody else what they need. It's you telling everybody else what you needed, what you still need, and the questions that you still have. You should never stop asking, asking questions. You should never, ever get to the point where you think you deserved the gift of God. And therefore, our disposition needs to constantly be that of humility 
and questions. Humility and questions. I didn't deserve this. He gave it to me anyway. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I once was blind. blind. Now I see. And I haven't figured it all out. But man, if that's God and he loves me, then wow, that's worth pursuing. And maybe you do have some answers to some of those fundamental questions. But I think sometimes those answers can take us away from the joy of first meeting Christ. What I see with this woman as she goes back down into town is I see her as a result of Jesus having a burden for her, the difference being explained, I see her from a burden moving to an unstoppable response to the love of God. And what I see over and over again is the people that have met God, they've grown in a relationship with God, they've started to get answers, then they start to get knowledge, and the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. So they have answers, they're getting arrogant. They have more answers, they're getting arrogant. And what I find is that those people close the doors, this is what I find very often, not everybody, close the doors to the rest and basically say, here's my club. And if you like are good enough or you can figure it out, you could come be with us. And you know what you really should because you got major issues. But the woman at the well, she's like this. And I find at our church, this is so true. This is just bizarre. I find that the people that have grew up, grown up in church have more answers they have a little bit of, an, of a kind of a pride, kind of a, a, a list of things they've done, a spiritual resume. I find that those people don't really reach many people often. But the people who have recently met Christ and maintain an attitude of humility and constantly ask questions are the ones that go and meet people. And I'll tell you this, this is fact. More people that have recently come to our church bring people to our church than the people who have like been a follower of Christ their whole life. They come in and they go, this place is great, man. God loves me. You should check this out. Like we were, I was at dinner the other night and this waiter, waitress was there and she was just like, never really been to church, never really had anything to do with it. And one of her friends invited her and she's like, I'm gonna come. And this friend is a recent person coming around to church. That burden turns into the difference, turns into an uprising that all originates with an attitude of humility and asking questions. Man, we don't have it figured out. You think I've got it figured out? That is the biggest lie in the history of church. To think that the pastors have it figured out, to think that the small group leaders have it figured out, that we don't have it figured out. We're broken. We have broken like thinking and broken decisions and broken relationships. We have all of that stuff that everybody else has. Come and join the journey with me. Come and ask more questions with me. Come and be in a safe place where maybe the Messiah will change your life the way he changed mine. It's a totally different attitude. Weakness, humility, questions win people. Not answers and arrogance. As the story goes on, Jesus tells his disciples after she goes down into the town, he goes, this is what happens. This is what happens when, when you are truly engaged in a relationship with the God of the universe and you have humility and you have questions. Here's what happens. All the disciples, they have all the answers. They're the ones that are following Jesus. And Jesus like talks to them and shows them like, here's how I work. 
I partner and work with the broken. And from the brokenness in the world comes the change that we need. It's just amazing. He goes, don't you have a saying? It's still four months till the harvest. He's like, in your world, like you, you guys wait right until the fruit is ripe and then you go and harvest the fruit. And it's this idea of saying like, man, we don't wanna do the work yet and, and go and get the harvest. We're not ready yet. It's not ready. We gotta wait. We gotta wait for a time. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. When certain things happen, the harvest gets ready. When certain things happen, people's lives start to change. And then you guys need to be ready to reach people. He goes, I'm telling you, open your eyes. And here's the picture. And look to the fields. He's standing on the top of this mountain. She went down and said, I don't know, but he loves me. And I have questions, and maybe we should all go ask him. Maybe we should all go back up there and talk to the Messiah and see if, like, he really is. Because if he loved me, he can love you, and we can all be forgiven. And, oh, maybe, 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 maybe. And Jesus goes, look, here they come. Look at them. He goes, goes, guys, you know why they're all coming up here to meet me? Humility. Questions honesty, authenticity. She went down. She didn't tell him she had the answer. She said, man, if he loves me, he can love you. He says, look, now they're ripe for harvest. They're interested. They're interested. They're coming to find out more. Maybe if they just come to find out more, maybe if we just go with humility and questions, then they'll come to find out more and the Savior of the world will change their life. What Jesus gets to at this this amazing moment is just, if you ever thought that God doesn't want to use you, if you ever thought that God doesn't have a plan for your life to be a part of an uprising, to see your family change, your work change, whatever it is, to see the change in someone's life where they go and they ask the question maybe, if you ever thought that that wasn't you, look what he says here. He says, even now, the one who reaps draws the wage and a harvest, a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. He says in this moment, I made her part of my team. This broken girl. I met her in weakness. I loved her in weakness. She went with weakness. And from that weakness, we get to reap the harvest. I'm working with her. Just get that disciples attitude. Like, man, we're like your disciples. We've like left it all. We've like followed you. Jesus doesn't just partner with people that are perfect. Jesus doesn't partner with people that have it all figured out. Jesus partners with people who are broken, people who are messed up, people who are right on the edge of life. And he meets them on the cliff and he goes, hold on. Something great could happen. And they get a second chance. What that means is, in all authenticity, is that God still wants to partner with me. He still wants me to be a part of it. In my weaknesses, he still wants you to be a part of it. He still wants you to go. He still wants you. In an attitude of humility with questions to go. Weakness wins people. The real you with the Savior reaches people. The real you. That attitude, weakness, wins people. Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of winning people. 
great theologian said this, one of the deepest revelations of God's character is in the weakness, suffering, and death of the cross. Jesus, you understand what Jesus did? This is, this is like, blows my mind. We're going to celebrate it this weekend when we, when we come together for Good Friday. When Jesus went on the cross, he took my weaknesses, my sin, my brokenness, and every person in this room, and every weakness and every sin that any person has ever had in the history of the world, and he became that weakness. He became sin. He became brokenness. He embodied weakness. And in his weakness on the cross, he saved our souls. I even find it interesting that Jesus on the cross asks a question. God, why have you forsaken me? You think he didn't know the answer? His whole attitude humility, questions, and maybe, maybe. Go to people with maybe. Go to people with questions. Go to people with humility. Over the next couple days, we're going to have some of the most fun and intense times at our church. We have four services coming up this weekend, Good Friday, and then three services Three services for Easter, a Saturday night and two regular Sunday mornings. The, the Friday night and the Saturday night are both at 6.30. You're not going to want to miss this. And then on Sunday and on Saturday night, we have our Easter, the uprising service. And here's what I want to do. I want to uh, just challenge you and give you one more, one more piece of work. If someone invited you to church, to this church, would you raise your hand? You can put it down. If you are willing to invite someone else to church over these four days, would you just be bold right now? Would you just raise your hand if you're willing to do that? If you're just willing to step out and do that, you can put your hand down. And for everybody that didn't, would you just promise me this? And maybe you're recently invited and you're just not sure yet. You just promised me that you would be willing to pray that God would use this season at our church to reach more people the same way he reached you and got you here. Because that's what has to happen. And when you invite these people to these four services, whatever one they can come to, I'm telling you right now, this is what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about how in one day, God changed a woman's life at the well, and one day Jesus died on the cross and took all of our sin away, and in one day, he rose from the dead. And in that resurrection, he made every one of us that call him the son of God, his children. He did it right there in one day, in one moment. And so we're gonna tell people they come to church one day, maybe one day a year, and that's okay. As that's all it takes, one day. And God can change all the rest of your days. So let's pray. We might think that the timing's not right. We might not think that it's time for people's lives to change, but the time is now. If you go with humility and you go with questions, then the harvest is gonna be ready. And it's gonna be time to see an uprising. Let's take a minute and let's pray. God, thank you so much for this story. We love you. 
We thank you for meeting us in humility and weakness with questions. We pray, God, that, that through the invitations of humility and, and, and honesty and authenticity that take place over this next, uh, next week, God, that some would come, that they'd be curious, and that their lives would change, that they would meet you and know you. God, thanks for letting us be a part of the uprising. In Jesus' name, amen.